Welcome to Arise Baptist Church. We're so glad to see you here today. And I know spring took a break for a few days, but that's all right. And we got the heat on in here. Thank you for all of your prayers this week. The Lord is good. I got a good report from Lisa about her dad. He's in recovery now, so be praying for him. She's flying home this evening. And uh, he had open heart surgery on Thursday. So we're thankful for God's goodness there. We're also thankful for how God is taking care of Angela Cruz. And she had her surgery on Monday. And uh, they have already moved her into rehab, which is a blessing. And I think that, from what I understand, that's ahead of what might have been planned. And so God is good. More importantly than that, she shared that she is confident. She knows the Lord Jesus Christ is her Savior. And so that's a blessing. And so continue to pray for her and her family, for Anthony and Maria Padilla and Amelie as they encourage her and help her. And we'll be getting over there too and trying to let her know that we care about her and we're praying for her and uh, look forward to what the Lord does. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. We need Him today. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You that we can come together now and that we can sing Your praises, that we can reflect on the fact that you have come into our heart, forgiven our sins, given us eternal home in heaven. Lord, I'm thankful that we can praise you for the wonderful things you did this past week. Thank you for working in Lisa's dad's life and also in Angela's life and encouraging them and strengthening their bodies. I pray for continued physical recovery for them. Lord, we thank you for the spiritual work that you're doing in their hearts and in our lives. Lord, we thank you for how you continue uh, to work to bring people closer to yourself. We thank you for the opportunities that were had this week by several to share the gospel with others. Lord, we thank you for those who have been saved here recently. We look forward to continuing to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the new families in our church and the new people that you're bringing to us. We thank you for the opportunities to minister to them. Lord, I pray that you would bless this service today, work in our hearts, challenge us, and encourage us in our faithful living for you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, it's good to have the Tanner family back with us today. Thank you for all of you that were praying for them. And uh, please continue to pray for Jesse and her boys and, and soon-to-be little girl. We're excited about that. And uh, also for Josh's parents as, uh, as life continues on, but life is very different now. So pray for them and lift them up and encourage them any way that you can. We want to just be a blessing to them, encourage them. Well, we have a couple of special folks we want to recognize this morning. I'm so thankful for the people in our church that are working very hard to study God's Word together and to grow in their faith. And this is not uh, a short-term thing. This is a long-term thing. But uh, we want to recognize folks as they, as they complete different steps along the way. And so as we have a couple people that have finished their book, Continue. And so I want to ask Ruth if she'd come and uh, Lewis if he would come. And uh, Shandy, my wife, can come. And Freddie, you can come too. And uh, so I'll let the ladies go first. I won't be able to make up to Well, we'll get you up here. <laughs> we'll try to make, let it be ladylike, though. Right. Thank you. Well, I'm so thankful that we never get too old to stop studying God's Word, do we? 
And there's always things we can learn, and there's always spiritual growth that needs to happen in our life. If you ever find that you've stopped growing spiritually, it's not because you've arrived. It's because you're going the wrong direction. All right. Joe's not as nice as me. So anyway, but we're so thankful for these ladies. I'm going to let Shandy say a word about Ruth, and then we got a little book for her, too. I did just so much appreciate um, the privilege to disciple uh, or go through the discipleship book with Ruth, and I learned from her as well, and I am so thankful for her example. Even though she felt like she had a lot to learn, she is already serving in so many ways and putting Amen. it into practice, and if if we just get head knowledge, it doesn't matter at all, and she is putting it into practice even as she learns it, and um, just putting those two together, and I'm just thankful. Even one time we took a break, and it was because of serving um, one of her friends, and she had to take a break to be able to just serve better, and um, I'm just thankful that she wants to continue to learn. She said, I'm going to go through this book again on my own, <laughs> and so I'm just thankful that she has a heart to learn and a heart to serve and put into practice what she's learning. Amen. So. Here's a little book for you on Bible study. Thank you. I want to ask you to pray for Ruth's son, too. We sent him a book recently, and so he's going to be working through this continued book as well. Yeah, he, he sent me a letter about that, so be praying for her son, Mark, so that's exciting. Well, we can give her a hand now. Amen. Come on up here, guys. I'm thankful, too, that as folks begin to study God's Word together, um, you can have folks who are older and younger studying God's Word together. I, you know, sometimes we try to help to assign people so that they can have somebody. These guys just got together on their own and began to study this together. So Freddie had been studying through the Bible study book with Billy, and uh, then Lewis and Freddie got together. They meet up here on Friday nights. They'd study the Bible together, and then they play music together, I think, play the piano and sing and talk about things. And it's so wonderful to see those kinds of connections developing and relationships and things going on. And uh, so, Lewis, we've got a certificate for you, completion here, and uh, we've got a little book to encourage you as you continue to study God's Word. I know you're already doing it, but that book's been a blessing. And uh, thank you, both of you men, for all of your work and conti continue to keep up the good work. And uh, I like coming by here on Friday nights and seeing cars in the parking lot and people working, studying God's Word. So let's give these guys a hand. And we're thankful, too. We had several folks begin their uh, Bible study things with other folks in our church this week, just this past week. And so if you're interested in being a part of that in some way, please let me know. And uh, I... We, we need some more ladies to help my wife. She's, she's got a whole list of ladies, so some of you ladies, as you're making time, I know it's a busy thing. Maybe we can schedule it during a Wednesday evening service or a Sunday night service or maybe before or after service and try to make it work um, so that there are more people available to do that. Well, we have some really exciting things that are coming up. Next Sunday is our second anniversary, second birthday as a church. And so we're excited about that. I hope you'll be here for that special day. We'll have a special service at 10 o'clock, the regular time. And then we want to invite everybody to a special lunch that'll happen after that. 
So you'll want to come. There'll be some fun video and testimonies and pictures and stories as we remember God's goodness over the last two years and as we look forward to what God has going forward. So that'll be a very special time. And right before that, this Friday and Saturday, we're having our family conference. And so if you're part of a family, if you want to be part of a family, if you have anything to do with family, we want you to come. And many have already signed up. If you have not signed up, please sign up today. You say, I'm not sure how to do that. There were some cards. I think there's still some on the back table here to sign up. But if you don't have one of those, even if you just take one of the connection cards in the pew in front of you and sign your name and put family conference somewhere, write it in bold letters or something. We want to make sure we have enough food for everybody. I, at my last count yesterday, we have over 80 people registered already for this Friday and Saturday. So it's going to be a good time, but we don't want you to miss. If you want to be here, it'll start 6.30, I believe, on Friday evening. We'll have dinner together, so come ready to eat. We'll have some wonderful sessions together and some fun together. They've already got me roped into a skit, so I'll try to make you laugh. I'll do the best I can, but you come. That'll be Friday night, and then Saturday morning, we'll start back up at 8.30 with a little breakfast time, some uh, donuts or cinnamon rolls or something of that nature, and then we'll have some sessions as well, and we'll be done by lunch, so you'll be free, have your afternoon to be able to take care of things that you need to do. One other very important thing coming up, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave. We, we got all of our invitations in this week. I brought a couple of them up here, and uh, there's some on the back table here. There's some out in the lobby. And as you leave the service today, we'll have some folks stationed at the different doors. Take as many as you can hand out. And also, if you're interested in helping us over the next couple of weeks, so on the 13th, Saturday the 13th and Saturday the 20th, we'll be meeting here in the morning about 9.30 and go out into our neighborhood and handing out invitations and we have maps to be able to uh, cover our immediate neighborhood with those invitations. So if you can take part in that, great. If you can't be there for those Saturdays, but you'd say, I'd like a map, we already have those maps printed up, ready to go, and we want to include you in that. I hope you're praying about somebody that you can bring on that special day as we look forward to preaching the good news that Jesus is alive. And that'll be a very special day. In preparation for some of that, if, if you have any time, maybe tomorrow evening, some folks will also probably gather Thursday evening. We have a few things around here on our property that we're going to be cleaning up and fixing up and just doing a few small things to uh, help prepare for the anniversary Sunday coming up. And uh, if you have some time, let me know. The Lord's doing a lot of good stuff. It's exciting to be a part of His work. Even this week, being able to share God's Word and see people go, Oh, I never realized that before. Oh, that's new to me. God's Word has the answers for everything that we need in this life. And uh, the hard part is living it sometimes. But too often we don't even know what it says, so we can't even begin to live it as God wants us to have, have us do. Freddie's going to come now and read to us from God's Word before the boys and girls are dismissed out to junior church. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit, despite not prophesyings. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, 
your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Amen. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians. I think this will be the first or the last time for a little while that I say turn to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to finish up this book today and we're going to get back, if some of you remember, we're going to get back to the book of John and looking forward to finishing that book. Started the book of John about a year ago and preached through it until about Thanksgiving time and then we looked at some other things around Thanksgiving Then we looked at some things about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We started out this year in 1 Thessalonians, because I think this book, it's a little book, just five chapters, but this book has a lot of important things to say to a church that's trying to advance. That's our theme for this year, advance, taking the next spiritual step. We have these little, uh, the bullet points underneath of winning one. Leading one, following one, and taking one. And we've already seen the Lord do that this year, haven't we? We've seen people won to Christ. Isn't that a blessing? We've seen people begin to lead others in their relationship, to grow as they begin to disciple. We've seen folks begin to enter into relationships as they say, that's somebody I want to follow. I want to follow them as they follow Christ. And we've seen people taking their next spiritual step, taking that one step. The Christian life is a journey. It's it's not a sprint, it's more of a marathon. But how do you run a marathon? One step at a time. And as we think about our spiritual life, we need to be taking the next step that the Lord has in front of us. We can look at somebody that's way out ahead and say, I don't think I could ever get there. But realize they were where you were at some point. They've maybe taken a few more steps, but you begin that process of walking and growing understanding more about the Lord and obedience to Him, and God will use you in wonderful, wonderful ways. Over the last couple weeks, we've looked at relationships in the church, of the relationship between leaders and followers. We looked at the idea that we ought to be looking out those who are over us in the Lord, that we ought to, that those that admonish us, we ought to follow them, We ought to esteem them highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. Last week, we looked at relationships among ourselves, one another, how how we can help those who are hurting, right? We need to warn them that are unruly. We must comfort the feeble-minded, give comfort to those that are weak, He says then to support, to lift up those who are hurting and weak. And then he says, be patient towards the people that you like. No, that's not what it says. It says, be patient towards all men. And then he says, see that none render evil for evil. Boy, that's our natural tendency, isn't it? Somebody does wrong to us, I'm going to get them back. They're going to wish they had never done that. You know what? God will take care of it, I promise you. The Bible says this, 
Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. You say, they deserve something bad. Before you get too big for your britches, realize you deserve something bad too. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But God is rich in mercy. And if somebody is going to be judged for what they've done wrong, you let God be the judge. Don't render evil for evil, but do good to, again, not just the ones you like. He says, to all men. To all men. So that brings us then in verse number 16 through the end of the chapter, really his final call to the church at Thessalonica in this first letter that Paul wrote to them, to live a holy life. Now, holiness is not a popular topic in our culture today. People say, let me live how I'm going to live. I'll live my life and hopefully God will be there to take care of me when I need it. But God has called us to holy living. Some people misunderstand what that is. Holy living is a life that's set apart to God. That I'm going to do what God tells me to do and not just what I feel like doing. That what God says is more important than what I think. And that if God asks me to do something, I'm going to obey and trust Him to take care of whatever the consequences might be. Let me read to you again verses 16 through 18. These are very short verses. In fact, verse 16 in the Greek, is the very shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice evermore. Number 17, pray without ceasing. And verse 18, I memorized this in kindergarten, thankful for my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Holmes. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. These three things, I think, we could fit under the umbrella of or group them together in this idea. Holy living in your personal life. Holy living in your personal life. You say, this doesn't sound like holy living. He's not talking about staying away from evil things. He's not talking about not doing wickedness. He's not talking about obedience. But he gives us three commands. And he ties them all together in verse 18 when he says, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Many people in this world say, well, what is the will of God? How do we know what God's will is for my life? What am I supposed to do? Well, there are many things that God wants for us to do, but here's three this morning. Rejoice evermore. So rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. And in everything, give thanks. Those three things, little things, little things on paper, big things in our life. Let's take some time to look at each one of these. First of all, rejoice evermore. This is a command. This is not optional. This is not, hey, rejoice when you're happy. This is rejoice evermore. More. God wants His people to be joyful, and I would tell you, He gives us every reason to be joyful. You say, my life is not joyful right now. It's because you're focused on what's going on in your life and not focused on what God has done for you in your life. 
We need to be reminded to rejoice at all times. Over in the book of Philippians, we read in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Or in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, just in case you missed it the first time, rejoice. This is important. It sounds good on Sunday mornings to say that, right? Rejoice in the Lord. Sing praise to God. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. But how does that work on Monday morning? Tuesday night when your child is sick. I read a post somebody put on Facebook this week. They said, I haven't had any sleep. I've been up all night with my baby. They have problems going on on both ends of the baby. I'm being thrown up on and gone to the bathroom on at the same time. How do you rejoice in that? That's not a circumstance we would want to rejoice in. But I would tell you, no matter your circumstance, you can rejoice in the Lord. I read this this week. I thought it was really good. A Christian's joy does not spring from their circumstances, but from the blessings that are His because He is in Christ. What are some blessings that we have in the Lord that we can rejoice in the Lord for? All right. I just took a breath. And so did you. God blessed you with that breath. Every breath is a gift from God. I'm looking out at a bunch of people that got out of bed this morning. Maybe mentally you're still in bed. But physically, you made it here this morning. You got out of bed. I'll tell you, that's a gift from God. You say, what about the people that couldn't get out of bed this morning? God's still taking care of them, isn't He? God provided a place for them. God takes care of His children. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice evermore. Do you feel weak? Rejoice. God is strong. Do you feel like your life is unfair or that you're in the wrong place? Rejoice. God's provident plan is best. He says in Romans 8 and verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good. You mean even going into a hospital and having to have your foot amputated, can God bring that together for good? He absolutely can. You mean going through financial hardship, losing your job? Yeah, God has a plan. You mean the death of a loved one? God has a plan. And His plan is for your good if you're following Him. He works all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to His. Not your purposes, His purposes. It's good. But see, our definition of good is very dependent on our perspective. That's why we must have a perspective that is focused on the Lord. Rejoice evermore, but my joy comes from the Lord. You look at your circumstances, and I'm sure if we said, all right, raise your hand. If you have a hard thing going on right now in your life, then you say, I don't know how to rejoice in that circumstance. Probably all of us could say something. 
You may not be able to rejoice over the circumstance that you're facing, but you can rejoice in the Lord. You can rejoice evermore knowing that God's plan is perfect. His ways are perfect, and He's working it together for your good and for His glory. Stay faithful. Rejoice. See, to rejoice here, because it's a command, I would tell you, this is not a feeling. This is a choice. He doesn't say, be happy. There's a song about that, right? Don't worry, be happy. That sounds good, but the Bible way of saying it is not just be happy because you can't just make up happiness in your life. You know what happens if you're just being happy when things are not happy? You're a fake. Sometimes we're guilty of that even in the church, aren't we? We come in and we put on our happy face, but we're really not happy. But even when we're not feeling happy, we can still rejoice evermore. My life is awful, I'm struggling, it's hard, I'm down, I'm discouraged, but I still have joy because I know that God is good and His plan is perfect and He's working it together. Rejoice evermore. You feel weak? Remember, God is strong. See, it's a question of perspective. Do you feel like life is unfair? Rejoice. God's plan is at work. Do you feel unworthy to serve God? You say, I've made some bad choices I have some things in my life that are wrong and I'm not sure what to do. Rejoice. God's forgiveness is enough. God loves you. And He'll forgive you if you'll come to Him and repent. So we can say, I can't, I can't. No, you can't, but God can. And you rejoice in what He can do, not over what you can't do. Learning to walk in joy means choosing to focus on what God has done and is doing, not on my present or my past circumstances. Yes, they're real. That's part of my life. I've been through those things, but I'm rejoicing because I see how even in the valley, God was with me. Even through the difficult time, God has a purpose. And even if I don't understand it, can't see it, I know that God still has a plan because He's God. He's big enough. He's big enough. Rejoice evermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. This means the idea of praying continually. The word that is translated from the Greek into our English language that's translated without ceasing was a word that was also used in the Greek to refer to a hacking cough. So in other words, it's not talking about that I'm, I'm driving down the road with my eyes closed in prayer. But can I still talk to God when I'm driving down the road? Sure. It doesn't mean when my boss calls me in for a meeting that I'm sitting there not paying attention to a thing that he or she has to say. I'm over there bowed in prayer over at my desk. No, you can listen to what your boss has to say. But they might say something and say, I'm not sure how to deal with that. And you can go directly to the Lord in prayer. It's that idea of I'm, I'm constantly in an attitude of prayer. When you're in an attitude of prayer, this is saying, God, I can't, but you can. God, I don't have the answers, but you do. God, I'm humbling my way and my plan before you because my plan is to get mad. My plan is to get even. My plan is to somehow manipulate the situation so that it works out for my plan. But God, that's not good. Pray without ceasing. 
You say, that sounds simple enough. Yes, but difficult to do. When was the last time you prayed? Was it a Sunday ago? Was it yesterday? You say, well, I pray at every meal. Well, that's good. But could we say that's praying without ceasing? I would tell you that every situation that comes up, we ought to be praying about it. Every decision that we face, we ought to be praying about it. We ought to be constantly thanking the Lord. That's the next verse, not to get ahead of myself, but we can thank the Lord in prayer, right? God, you're good to me. Thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for protecting me. God, thank you for giving me another day to live. God, thank you for giving me a church where I can come and worship you. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for that breath of air that you just gave me. God, help me as I go through this situation. God, work in that person's heart. God, we need healing for this person. God, we need help. Pray without ceasing. Prayer is communication with God. Good relationships are built on good communication and trust. Say, I trust God. Well, do you ever talk to Him? It's hard to trust somebody that you never talk to. It's communicating with God. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. Be careful. He says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. I was studying this verse out one time several years ago, and I realized I, I was looking at this. I thought, boy, he talks about prayer a lot in this verse. He says, by prayer and supplication, and then letting your requests be made known unto God. It sounds like he's referring to prayer in three different ways. He is. Prayer is just me crying out to God, saying, God, here's what I need, supplication. That's the idea of down on your knees begging for something to be done. This is an impassioned plea before God. And then when he says, let your request be made known unto God, that word request is the idea of every single little thing God wants to know about it. Say, so isn't he God? Doesn't he already know? Sure, but he still wants to hear about it from you. Parents, don't you know when your kids are having a hard time? You can tell, but you still love to hear about it from them. When you know that there's a struggle in someone's life, you can see it often. It shows up on their face, but you still love to have them talk to you about it. I would tell you our perfect, all-knowing, heavenly Father, He knows it all, but He loves to hear about it from His children. Pray without ceasing. And then he says in verse number 18, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's start at the end of the verse, and then we'll work back to the beginning. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What's the will of God? Well, that's God's perfect plan, His will. And it's in Christ Jesus God's will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that you would come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. See, it's God's will to work in us, and He does it through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that washes away our sin. And then He's given us the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit that was left for us, that is God, one of the three persons of God that lives within us as believers. And I love those last two words, concerning you. This is a very personal plan. God had it worked out from eternity past. He had your name, and He knew where you would go, and He knew what you would do, 
And he knew what your situations would be, and he put it all together as part of his plan to do a work in your life and to do a work in those around you. Why? Because he made you. He cares about you. We were, uh, my son Trevor and I got to go up and be a part of a medical missions conference on Thursday and Friday and Saturday morning of this past week. We just got back yesterday evening. We heard from missionaries serving God all around the world. We heard from a missionary down in the jungles of Peru, Puerto Maldonado. That's where he lives. He and his wife, he's from South Carolina. But he's a Peruvian now. We met another missionary who works in the jungles in Cambodia. I had to think about it to even think where Cambodia was. Maybe that's you too, You're like Cambodia. Is that in Africa? No, it's not. It's south of China, over in Asia, near Indonesia, over in that part of the world. We met another missionary from the country of Albania. You know, this is a predominantly Muslim country now, Albania. We met another missionary working in Panama. Hearing their testimonies and their stories of God's goodness and God's work were really incredible. And we, we saw pictures of, of a guy that had been shooting arrows at one of them. This is out in the jungles of Peru. They're working with people who some still practice cannibalism. Some don't speak any language that anybody else outside of their tribe even knows. How are you supposed to go to those people? How are you supposed to live? Talked with one lady. She said, I don't think I ever want to go anywhere near the Amazon River. I don't want anything to do with those piranhas. They catch them and eat them down there. She said, that's a crazy life that they live. But hearing as they talked about praying to God, and thanking God, and then God providing. Were such a, those were such encouraging stories. One, one missionary yesterday, who was a missionary in Cambodia, he told the story of a lady who came to Christ. And see, when you come to Christ in America, you might have a few people look at you funny, but most people, you just kind of go on with your life. Being a Christian is considered okay to most people. Not so where she was. To come to Christ meant your family wasn't going to talk to you anymore. You're going to be disowned by those that were your friends and that cared for you. Why? Because you're turning away from everything to follow after Jesus. They, they look at you, well, you've forsaken your family, your culture, your heritage, everything. They're saying, yes, but Jesus died for me. So in following Christ, she really lost everything. Just her and her kids... She didn't even have food to be able to feed her family. Couldn't get work. Couldn't provide for their family. So what did she do? She prayed without ceasing. She asked God to provide. And the missionary said this yesterday. You might not believe this, but this is the truth. A couple days later, she went outside and there was a, a plump chicken sitting there on her front porch. She thought maybe the pastor or somebody else in the church brought it by. She asked them, no, nobody had brought it by. The next day, another chicken on the front porch. Next day, another chicken. She's trying to figure this out. 
This lady so much wanted to please God and so much loved her neighbors and those people around her, she didn't want to eat the chickens at first for fear she was taking somebody else's meat. A couple days later, she looks up and there on the top of the house is a hawk sitting. This hawk was bringing a chicken to her front door every day. She thought, surely it's stealing them from one of the neighbors. She went around and checked with everybody in the village. Nobody's chickens looked like those chickens. Did you know that hawk fed her family for a year? And you don't think God can't take care of your problem? Even the birds of the air obey His voice. In everything, give thanks. You say, that's never happened in my life. You've probably never been in a situation where you needed to eat as badly as that lady did. But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I would tell you most of us don't understand what it really means to be in need. A lot of times, what we call needs are really just wants. I'd really like to have that. This would be easier if I it'd be good. God will supply your needs. Here's how I think of that passage. If God hasn't supplied it yet, it must be because I don't need it yet. Because He said He'll supply all my needs. But He also talks about, he, in that verse it says, But my God shall supply all your needs. So I would tell you, first of all, make sure He's your God. That you're truly following Him. So first of all, know that He's yours. That you have a personal relationship with Him. Secondly, if He hasn't provided it, realize you may just not truly need it. You may feel like it. It may be close. But God will take care of every need. In everything, give thanks. It's the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you, this is a call to holy living. You say, how is this holiness? This is saying, I am setting my life apart to serve God with everything I have. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, rejoice evermore. I'm going to pray without ceasing. God, I'm completely yours. I'm giving you everything I have. God, I'm trusting you with every situation and every circumstance and every trouble and every trial and every person that doesn't do what I think they should be doing. God, praying about it, praying about it, praying about it. Some of you say, well, all I do is pray. It would probably be better than what you're doing right now. I don't know. Pray. Pray. How much time do people spend talking about their problems with other people? You know how it is. Some people, you meet them, and all they do is tell you about their problem, tell you about their problem, tell you about their problem. It's okay if you share your problems with somebody else, but let's make sure we take it to the Lord in prayer. Because He's the one that can do something about your problem. Sometimes it feels good, though, to tell everybody else about our problems, though, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't want them to think my life is too good. I have problems, too. You know? Or somebody tells you a problem. Well, one time I had a problem, too, so let me tell you about mine. Or, or maybe we're trying to get sympathy from everybody else or make excuses for why we live the way that we do. Well, because of this and because of that and because of the other thing. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. You say, how do you give thanks? Well, when your life is set apart 
to serve God with everything you have. You know that every situation He allows in your life is part of His plan. You can give thanks. That's holy living. That's a life that says, this is not my own life. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'm going to glorify God in my body and my spirit because they're His. That's holy living. That's the holy personal life that God calls us to. Three things. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And then, over the next few verses, he then speaks about holy living in the church, in the corporate. Sometimes we like to jump to how I'm holy at church, but I'm not holy in my personal life. True holy living doesn't start at church. It starts at home. And you ought to bring to church what God is already doing in your life at home. And hopefully when you come to church, you're then encouraged and challenged to go back home and to continue to live faithfully in your personal life as God would have you to live. So what are these things that he tells us? Well, he very quickly lists off five things. Number one, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Number two is found in verse 20, despise not prophesying. Number three is found in verse 21, prove all things. The fourth one is also found in verse 21, hold fast that which is good. Number five, we see in verse 22, abstain from all appearance of evil. So what do these things mean? What is he talking about? Well, back in verse 19, quench not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is often compared to or referred to as a fire in the Bible. You go to, back to Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was first given to the followers of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that there were tongues of fire that were over them. This was to signify that they'd received the Holy Spirit. When John the Baptist was baptizing there at the river and his people were coming, he talked about Jesus. He said, there's one that will come after me that will baptize. And he talks about baptizing with fire. Well, he's referring to the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit compared to a flame? Well, the Holy Spirit warms our heart. The Holy Spirit gives light to the mind. Helps us to understand God's truth. He strengthens our resolve to do right. The Holy Spirit does a work and He has great power. He's telling us here in verse 19, don't hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. How do you put out a fire? You throw a bucket of water on it, right? You quench it. You take away the oxygen or the heat or the fuel and you have no fire. Spiritually speaking, we must be careful not to quench, restrict, hold back, resist the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, when God works, here's what happens in our heart. We hear God's Word through a message that's preached or through Bible study with somebody else. And as we hear God's Word, God begins to take His Word through the power of the Holy Spirit and begins to work in our heart and in our life. And He begins to point out things this is wrong. This needs to change. You need to adjust this area. This needs to be done. That's the Holy Spirit work inside of you. Sometimes you'll feel that, right? It, it, it can be even as a feeling as we're sitting in something and you think, oh, there's something there that I need to be doing. 
Or as you're reminded of truth and, and truth is brought to mind and you're about to do something and you remember, wait a minute, this is what the Bible says. That's the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. Don't resist that. Don't quench that. How do you avoid doing that? Well, it's very simple. When the Holy Spirit is working in your heart, obey. You know how it is when you're trying to begin doing something that you ought to do. Let's say you decide, I am going to get up at 6 o'clock every morning and exercise for an hour before I eat breakfast. Maybe some of you, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it is, right? What happens when that alarm goes off the first morning? What do you want to do? Snooze. You just quenched the alarm, right? You snoozed it. You say, well, it'll be okay. I'll hear it again in 15 minutes when it goes off again. Is the second time easier or harder? It's easier to snooze it again, right? Just snooze again, snooze again. You say, finally, you drag yourself out of bed. Well, at least I still have 15 minutes to exercise, and you do it. And then you go to work, and you tell everybody, yeah, I got up early and worked out today. I'm starting a new plan in my life, <laughs> losing some pounds, getting in shape. And you're telling everybody how great of a job you're doing, and you pat yourself on the back, and you go home. Tuesday morning. Alarm goes off. Do you jump out of bed, ready to go? No. Snooze. You're like, yes, I felt so good after 15 minutes of working out. I'm just going to snooze this three or four times. You do. Finally, it's about five minutes to seven. You're like, I got to go. And you get out and you run around. You're like, well, at least I burned some calories while I got dressed today. And you go off to work and people are like, well, how's that workout program going? Well, today was a tough day. Today was a tough day. But tomorrow I'm getting back on it. Tomorrow I'm getting back on it. That's not a good way to establish a habit in your life, is it? What have you done? You're quenching your own spirit of trying to get up and go. But how much worse is it when we quench the Holy Spirit of God? When God speaks to your heart, your natural tendency, because we're all flesh, is just like with that alarm clock, is to hit snooze, to push it back. I don't need to be a part of that. Folks, when God speaks to our heart, here in the church, when He does it at home, when He does it wherever we're around God's Word and the Holy Spirit working in our heart, which could happen at any time, don't quench the Spirit. Let Him work. You say, that's going to mean giving up some stuff. I don't want to give up. It's going to mean doing some things I'm not sure I want to do. It's going to be making some changes. People hate change. Folks, when it's changing to be conformed into the image of God's Word and God's Son, that's a good change. I realize not all change is necessarily good. But being changed to be like Christ is always good. Quench not the Spirit. And I think the next verse goes right along with this because one of the ways that we can quench the Spirit of God is by despising prophesyings, by looking down on or pushing away or not wanting to hear truth as it's presented. One of the reasons that some commentators say that these verses were used this way is because in the early church, they, there was people as the apostles were going forth, God gave them the gift of tongues. And so they were speaking in other languages so that people might come to the gospel. 
come, come to Christ through the gospel. And so because it was a very visible gift and a lot of people saw it, a lot of people wanted the gift of tongues. And so people were speaking in tongues maybe who didn't really have the gift. And other people were doing it just as a show. And so he's warning them, don't get so excited about outward shows, about visible supposed signs. He says, make sure you don't despise prophesying. The Word of God, the truth of God's Word is vital. And sometimes in church, in a corporate sense, we can get more excited about a personality or a show or a demonstration than we do about the truth that is clearly recorded for us in God's Word. That's why when we come together for church, we always will take God's Word and we'll open it and we'll study it together and we'll learn from it and try to live it. Because it's more important. The Bible says this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men? Or God? That's an interesting question. Or do I seek to please men? So let me ask you this question that I have to ask myself every week when I get up to preach. Who am I preaching for this morning? Am I preaching for you or am I preaching for God? I'm not here to please men to please God. Now, what's wonderful is as we declare the goodness of God, as we declare His truth, as we declare who He is and understanding it, yes, you all get the benefit too. But I'm not, my job here is not to say what you want me to say. My job is to say what God's Word says. Now, I have to be very careful about that. Because there can be preachers who would use that kind of statement then to say, well, God told me to tell you this, and they just start ripping on people and doing wrong. No, I must be very careful to only speak what God's Word says. Because as he started out in, in the first verse there that I read in verse 8, he says, even though we, he, he's talking about the preachers themselves, those who had come preaching the gospel, he said, even if we start to preach something contrary to God's Word, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. So despise not prophesying. These all flow together because the next one then follows along by saying, prove all things. See, you will appreciate God's word when it's preached, when you know God's word better yourself. The more you know of God's word, the more you appreciate it when God's word is preached. See, we are to take it and test it. How do you test the preaching? Well, he made me feel good today. That's not the right test. Well, he really talked about the stuff that I'm going through. Even though that can be good, that's not ultimately the test. We have to prove all things. That means to test it by the Word of God. How do you test what I'm saying by the Word of God? You're like, well, he's the preacher. He knows more than I do. Maybe, maybe not. But in 2 Timothy 2.15, God speaks, I believe, to all of us when he says, study 
to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible speaks, actually, it's interesting. I think this passage of Scripture, one of the reasons it might have been in here in, in 1 Thessalonians was because there was another church over in Berea. The Bible says they were more noble than the Thessalonians over in Acts. Acts chapter 17, verse 11. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? In that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought about hearing a message preached and then studying your Bible all week? Say, let me make sure. As he's preaching, let me take some notes and write down what he said, and and let me write down the verses that he used, and, and let me study God's Word myself, because I want to make sure that what he said was right. I'm not here to correct the pastor, ultimately, but I want to make sure that I understand truth so I'm correctly living as God wants me to live. And if I am wrong, come let me know. I'm happy to be corrected. Because I'm a human being too. I can make mistakes. But that's how we grow as a church. We continue to advance as we, one another, individually, together with two and two, and, and however we do it, we're studying God's Word, proving all things. There are a lot of people led into all kinds of problems spiritually because they don't follow that simple command to prove all things. When somebody speaks to you and you say, that sounds really good, but that's different than what I've heard before. Prove all things. Test it out by the Word of God. Don't let somebody just convince you with their winning ways and their charming personality and their happy smile. Liars come in all shapes and sizes. Make sure you're proving it according to the Word of God. How do you know what I'm saying is true? Because you've proved it by the Word of God. That's how you know. Prove all things, and then he says, hold fast that which is good. So as we're testing things out, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this what it's supposed to be? Then hold on tight. Hold fast to that which is good. When you find something that's true, hold on tight. I would tell you when you're in a church where you're thankful that God is working and God's word is preached and people are growing in the Lord, hold on tight to that if it's good. Hold on tight. Hold fast to that which is good. So that basically means what are we supposed to do with the evil? Well, that's the next point. Abstain from every appearance of evil. So when evil appears, when you see evil things, stay away from that. Hold tight to the good. Well, how do I know the difference between good and evil? Study God's Word. Study God's Word. I'll tell you, though, too many times as Christians, we, we are guilty of being lazy. I live based on my experience. I live based on my feeling. I live based on, well, I heard this guy one time on TV. I'm not telling you any of those things are necessarily bad. You might have had a great experience. You might have heard somebody on TV that was preaching the truth. I don't know. But what I do know is every single one of us in the church has a responsibility to prove that which is good. Hold fast to the good. 
and abstain from the evil. That's a really serious responsibility that God places on us as individuals. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in life, for me, it's easier to want to delegate that to somebody else. Let them tell me what's right. If they say it, that's good enough for me. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Well, then they have to do all the work, and I just do whatever they say. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Study God's Word. Study to show thyself, your own self, approved unto God. You say, that sounds an awful lot like work. It is. It is. I don't want to sugarcoat it for you this morning. But see, following after God, holy living, in a personal sense and in a corporate sense, is saying, I am set apart. I am His and He is mine. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. I'm here to follow Him and do what He says and obey. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. Jesus Christ died for me. I'm here to serve Him with my life. Whatever He wants, that's what I'll do. Wherever He leads, that's where I'll go. Whatever He says, that's what I'll obey. I realize this is asking us to take a big step because it's an individual step that we all have to take. So I don't want to leave you with that giant challenge without giving you some encouragement. Paul does the same thing for the church at Thessalonica. Look at verse 23. What are the results then? So if we're supposed to rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything, if I'm supposed to not quench the Spirit and not despise prophecies, prophesying, if I'm supposed to prove all things and hold fast to the good and abstain from evil, what happens? Verse 23, the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. God does a work in and through you. And it's not just a partial work in part of you. Because the verse continues on, he says, I pray God that your whole spirit and soul and body, he's going to work in your physical, in your spiritual, your mental, he's going to work all throughout you. What is he going to do? He's going to preserve you. To be preserved means to be kept means to be protected, means to be put where God wants you to be. And not just preserved anywhere. He says, I'm going to preserve you blameless. And He's not just going to do it for a little time. He says, unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, till Jesus comes back. That's a really great guarantee there. It's not going to run out. You say, well, I'm going to get weak and sick someday. I'm going to get old someday. You can still be preserved. Well, I, I don't even know what kind of difficult things I'm going to face if I try to give myself completely to God to surrender it all to Him. Well, He'll preserve you blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the encouragement. This is the big why. Right? We do it to please the Lord, but here's the encouragement to help us get there. He's got a plan. This is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus concerning you. Isn't it amazing to think? When you look around this room, there's a, there's a good number of people here today. And then you think about, all right, this, but this is a small room compared to this city. I was flying in yesterday, coming back with Trevor. And you fly in over Houston. It was pretty cloudy for most of the way, but then we finally dropped below the clouds. And you just think, there's millions of people out there, and that's just one city. There's billions of people in this world. I mean, there was a group of about 100 of us that gathered this week to talk about reaching the world with the gospel. What can 100 people do? This is overwhelming. Well, we know there's far more than 100 that are pleasing the Lord. It was just our small gathering of us this week. But what's encouraging is I'm not doing this in my own strength, and neither are you. And God has a plan. Every single person that is living and has ever lived and ever will live, God has a plan for their life. It begins, God's plan for you begins with salvation. That's His plan for everybody. It's His desire for your life. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You say, what about those people that don't trust in Christ? What about them? God still has a plan for them too. God can use the wicked and the righteous. He can use the just and the unjust. He accomplishes His will. But as God continues His work in your life, as you trust in Him, as you follow Him with your life, God can take you to places and put you exactly where He wants you to be. We were with a lot of junior high and high schoolers thinking about missions and medical field and some of the older doctors and nurses and dentists and people who were there gave some interesting testimonies how God used them in their life. There was one guy, he was a really neat guy that we met. Maybe we'll get him down here at our church one of these days. He's a retired nuclear submarine captain. I was standing next to him and I thought, you know, I'm standing next to a guy that at one point in time has been hundreds and hundreds, maybe over a thousand feet under the ocean sailing around a submarine. That is not my idea of fun. <laughs> Here he is running around in a submarine, and he's the captain. I mean, he's got torpedoes. You know, they can slip up when no one knows they're around and launch missiles and things. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff this guy knows and he's been a part of. And you're like, I got to shake his hand. I got to meet that guy. Well, he retired a few years ago, and you know what he's doing now? I tell you, he, he, he told me, I would have never expected to be doing this now. He's trying to buy a boat. He wants to be on top of the water now. <laughs> this is a 108-foot boat. It's uh, one that the Navy used to use for training. And it has 24 bunks in it. It has a full galley kitchen in it. And it has space inside of it. So they're going to be able to set up a mobile medical clinic in this boat and sail it anywhere in the world. They'll go to these islands and places where it's hard to get to any other way, places that are out of the way that people have forgotten about or don't care about or don't even know about. And they'll be able to take doctors and nurses and medicines and, most importantly, the gospel, and sail up to these places and minister to these people. Isn't that incredible? He's a submarine captain. Now he's going to sail a boat and take the gospel to people. Who would have ever thought of that? 
I had never thought about that, but God had a plan for that guy. You say, how's he going to do it? He's just a guy. I met him and his wife. He's like, we're not sure, but God's, we, we think God's going to provide. And he told me, he said, just a couple weeks ago, I was at, in Mississippi there, I think it is, at the, at the port, Gulfport. Is that Gulfport, Mississippi? Is that right? So I was at Gulfport, Mississippi, and, and they had this meeting in Gulfport at, with the mayor and a bunch of people, and he said, I went to it because I had put um, th- his petition on the list of things that he was trying to get a place to dock his boat in Gulfport, Mississippi. And he said, the mayor said, so what kind of work are you going to be doing? He told him. They agreed to give him, he can dock his boat in Gulfport, Mississippi for like $400 a month, which he said is incredibly cheap for that size of boat. Because they found out what kind of work he's doing. They said, you know, we actually just last year signed an agreement with Rockport, Texas. Do you remember hearing about old Rockport in the news after Hurricane Harvey? That's, that town was mostly destroyed. He said, but we signed a partnership agreement with them between Gulfport and Rockport. So anytime there's needs between those two cities, we're going to help one another out. And the mayor said, do you think maybe if we ever needed to, we could use your boat? I said, yeah, that'd be neat. I told him, I said, you know, after Hurricane Harvey, God provided for our church the use of a warehouse here in Houston. So maybe we could use that at some point where we could receive supplies and materials and ship those over. He said, yeah, it's not far. I mean, we got a truck driver here. It's not far on a truck to get from here to Gulfport, Mississippi. What could God do? Do you think God has a plan for your life? I think we know about it when we hear about those kinds of things, but I want you to know God has a plan for your life. But so many people live outside of that plan because... They think their way is better. And I would encourage you, as you live a holy life, no, it's not always easy. And there are difficult choices that must be made. But pleasing God is always the way to go. Somebody once said, there's just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. As we've studied in this book of 1 Thessalonians, we've been challenged about sharing the gospel, about making disciples, about loving one another. But you know, he doesn't finish this promise in verse 23. So there's a promise to preserve them blameless. There's a promise that he's working in their spirit, their soul, and their body. But I love verse 24. Summarizes this. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. God is faithful. He'll do it. He'll perform it. He'll complete it. When God says something, that's what He's going to do. You and I may mess up. We may, we may do wrong. We may make a bad choice. Come back to the Lord. Ask Him to forgive you. Repent of your sin and serve Him. He'll use you. Say, my life's a mess. God is really good at fixing messes. He specializes in it. Because He's God. Faithful is He that He call you who also will do it. And then Paul finishes just with a few last words to this church. Brethren, pray for us. We need God's work. Pray for us. He says, greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. He's just referring to give them a, a greeting. 
Back in that culture in that day, they would actually give a kiss, as they still do in some cultures today. I like to shake hands and give a hug, but, but that's okay. There's a greeting here. He says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. He's telling, everybody needs to hear this. All the church needs to hear this. Wouldn't you agree that this kind of message is something that everybody needs to hear? We all need this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. I hope that you'll trust and obey the Lord. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Faithful is he that calleth you, that also will do it. Father, I pray that you'd work in our hearts. Help us to follow you. Help us to live for you. Lord, these final challenges in 1 Thessalonians seems like each challenge got bigger than the previous one. Lord, we understand that we must rely on you to be obedient to you in these ways. But Lord, I'm looking for your work in our hearts and in our midst. Lord, we believe that you are doing a great work here, that people are coming to you to know you as their personal Savior, that people are growing in their relationship. We've seen families get helped and people get encouraged. We've seen boys and girls begin to follow you and moms and dads and grandparents, husbands and wives, young people, single, married. Lord, we believe your word has the answers for everybody. I pray that we would simply trust and obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.